Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. In this episode of Deepak Has Coffee, we hear part two of Deepak's interview with Alain Reyes, founder and CEO at Reyescorp. In part one, Alain talked about the challenges of entrepreneurship. Deepak and Alain also discussed pushing through burnout, keeping a positive mindset, and how to conquer the challenges of being an entrepreneur. You can hear part one of the interview on episode 22 of Deepak Has Coffee. Now in part two, Alan shares the misconceptions of young entrepreneurs and how he shifted his mindset to focus on the long game of business. Deepak and Alan also discuss creating a support system, passion versus commitment, and why your team hires are critical to your success from the beginning. And now, part two of Deepak's interview with Alan Reyes. And I think that's interesting to throw it back at you as a kind of framework. Looking back at your journey, it's like, of course, in a bad way, it's that frog boiling in water and doesn't jump out. So it's dying and doesn't notice it. It's almost like, how do we step away from our success and reassess? I mean, this is the conversation I was talking to you about, about what am I doing now with the COVID changes and whatever the punch in the guts, but also the healthier mindsets that I have. Where do I want to point the ship in the next 10 years? And it sounds like, from what you just spoke about, viewing your success within context, because you're still trying to grow, you're still trying to amplify, right? Yeah. It's almost like a different question because you're sitting with a different set of resources today, right? Yeah. I don't want to be all cliche. It's not about the money. You know, it's about the success. I don't want to do that. But I, I, want, to, I want to share with you two interesting examples. If I look at my mentor, who's the dollar billionaire, and there's another person he backed who also became a dollar billionaire as well. In the, in the property game. And they have completely different relationships with success. So my mentor, like when I started New York Sausage Factory, like we were selling hot dogs at like less than like a dollar. He'd phone me every day and say, how are we doing? Are we making money? Yes, we made like $20. And he got so excited about that and the success. It was, the quantum was irrelevant for him. And so he would do deals with businesses, that, and, and I'm talking about this guy's billion-dollar investments, but he equally will back a $10,000 or a $5,000 startup and be equally excited. Second person, the guy who became the billionaire is in the defense mode. And so he says to me, he says, you know, Alon, he says, I'm smart enough to know that was a one-hit wonder. I'll never do that again. So when I invest now, if I put a little bit of money in, I don't get the high from it. And I go, what am I doing? Like, I'm probably going to lose money on it. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. So the only time I'm going to feel that high is if I take the big bet. But then I come back to the first point, which is I'm smart enough to know I was a one-hit wonder. He's in purgatory. And the other guy is going, he just loves the $10,000 and he loves the success. And I have modeled, if I look at where I get my biggest enjoyment on the way into work this morning, this young guy that I'm backing and pushing, I'm going, you know, it's like also about like, um, it's in the dollars. It's not even the tens of dollars. It's a like, oh, sell, sell, sell. And I'll spend 15 minutes on a call with him on the way into work. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I get more excitement from that than 
is one of our, let's call it 10-year-old businesses in our portfolio that's making a couple of million dollars profit. I get far more excitement. And that to me is where I feel I'm lucky, is that I still love the making of success, the creation of new. And when you look at with entrepreneurs who are successful in the long term, it's that relationship with new, making new creations that wasn't there before and now it's there. It's not about the money, it's about creation, creativity. That's where they get turned on and, and what gives them meaning. And I feel like I'm very lucky to have that. Thank you. That's making me think and pause. One of the things I talk about when the entrepreneurs are ready is this point of return on energy. I think in a very calculated, almost scarcity world, it is about money, time, effort. When you're going into, and there's this word that's used a lot, I use it a lot, in, this, in the abundant world, it's like when you're playing, what you described as flow and play, that's exactly what you just described. And, and it's about that energy that's feeding you. Yes, the money is a scorecard. I have a scorecard that I look at now recently that I'm allowed myself healthy enough going through my journey to be like, and that's the number I want. That's the number I deserve for why? What's the purpose? I want my, I want to be passionate. I, I want my freedom. I want to generate impact. But you know, and these are just tools. And I think once that focus shifts, when we can get out of that hole, I think it's, it's just that the old stories, that's part of the journey. It's the old stories that's just part of the journey. But coming into that question of how am I feeding myself creatively? I mean, energetically, and that's usually creatively. So this mentor of yours, there's no judgment from him either way. He's, he's got that humbleness. There's that humbleness to be like, not a master of the universe. Well, he looks it and he is successful and he is it clearly, but it's that humbleness that he approaches the world every day, right? Yeah. You know, thinking about also Deepak as coffee, that's, a, that's creativity. This nurtures you. My big dilemma now as I'm 55 next year, so you just ask different questions at this point. Like you, you, and COVID has done that with a lot of entrepreneurs. But the question is like, would that just cash out and retire? And my answer is no, because I've seen it with every single person that I know that's done it, they get depressed. They just get depressed because the excitement is in the creativity. So might I slow things down? Might I delegate more? Yes. Might I be more precious about what I focus on? Yes. But it has to have creativity in it. If it doesn't, I can't play golf. Bullshit myself that I've got a creative way to get to that hole. That will not fulfill me. Making more money will not fulfill me. Making more success and making other entrepreneurs millionaires, that will fulfill me. That's just you moving closer to your time focus towards your sweet spot, right? This is a really important exercise for me. Deepak has coffee, feeds my creativity. I get the privilege of the position to talk to, for me, all entrepreneurs are successful if they're aware of their journey. It's not even so much of the monetary success. The monetary success is definitely there as a scorecard, but that's global. We sure. want influence. We want the freedom that comes with the finances behind it, right? Again, for us, it's raw material, right? So, a lot of the entrepreneurs on the show that I speak with are the creative type. And it's funny because nobody would call, yeah, we have creative ideas, but nobody would say entrepreneurship is creative. It's a segment on its own and it needs its own rules. And the problem is schools don't teach it, really. Maybe they're doing a little more of it, but it's becoming more mainstream. But that's the need for the incubator. That's the need for mentors. That's the need for coaches. All of this is guidance around 
that archetype that is an entrepreneur, it's almost like the first time you're talking to them, it's therapy. It's permission to be me. I mean, not me, myself, but for them, they're suddenly coming to a zone and it's like, oh, this is who I am, right? Yeah. All the the veneer that they put out is a place where they can be true and honest and, and vulnerable, which is very important. To me, I think the entrepreneurship journey is, I feel most for is my, my wife who, who, because it's such a roller coaster, it really, the highs are high, the lows are low. We have to talk about the people in our, in our lives that support yeah. us and allow us to be successful. And I quite honestly say, if it weren't for my wife, who in the darkest moments still believed in me, if she ever doubted me, my knees would have buckled and I would have given up. I would have been one of those that had given up. But that support system is incredibly important. What I've done inadvertently is I've created through my mentor and other people around me the support system. And, and what I try and share with entrepreneurs is to do that deliberately, is to create a, a support system around you of entrepreneurs who've been through it because they will get what I love is and the self-doubt and the dissonance between what you portray and what's really going on. And many entrepreneurs battle to reconcile that. You know, they'll come on, they'll talk about how great they are on my show. And as they finish the show, they go, Alon, can I speak to you? This is what's really going on. And to live that probably a lie is, is very hard. And many entrepreneurs live a lie as yeah. well. So... You know, there's all these parts to it. There's living the lie, which could be seen as living the future, yeah. the support mechanism that you are really supported. But when I see an entrepreneur and they come in, they're saying, it's all about them. I don't want to back that dude mm. or do that. I don't want to back that because I know it's not about them. They will never make it if they have that lone wolf attitude. Our journeys have got people in them yes. that support us. Yes. Let's hit two points. That point about being, I'm going to offer you a word. Alon, that point about being intentional on how you approach this journey. We keep talking about the profit and loss. We, as in the general we, we keep talking about profit and loss when it comes to businesses, of which entrepreneurs run businesses, right? It's actually that learning curve of how do you build the skills needed to be a healthy and productive entrepreneur? That's what you run the first rounds of businesses for. Just hearing your story, that was just that. You were practicing being an entrepreneur and you had a mentor. I mean, that's all it was. You didn't have to really love the product and you ended up hating the third business and then you fell into something else. So that falling into stuff. So it's not about you. It's not about the business almost. And then let's talk about this team point because actually what's feeding you is the environment that you're surrounding yourself in. Yes, you are the leader. The leader also grows other leaders and the other leaders around you are leading other teams as well and other people. I mean, we have this privilege of being in a leadership position where we get to learn from and grow other leaders in a creative space. When you put it that way, that sounds exciting. And there's no I there, right? Yeah. Maybe I want to say this in another direction. I've got two boys, 17 and 14, and I am very deliberate, using the word deliberate and sharing them with as much knowledge as I can. But very deliberately making sure that they follow their own journeys, not mine. And what I see with entrepreneurs that get to my stage is that that, that push to get their children to follow in their footsteps, that they want their children to carry on the legacy and the business. And how much destruction that that has on families where the kids wanted to express themselves in another way. They might be want to be an artist or a, or a scientist yeah. or something else, but not be a business person. 
So I think part of that whole thing and why I'm mentioning this is because somebody like me, I'm saying, well, so what? I built this big thing. Lots to do every day. And then what? I'm not going to hand it to my children unless they want it, which is a different story. But I haven't, that's not like what is going to happen in my mind. And then for what? That's such an important place when you get to the for what? Then you have to get to the answer to that question. And for every person, I think it's different. So hypothetically, anyone who's an entrepreneur watching this, you have to fast forward to a point where now you sell it. You're 55, you're 60, maybe you're 65 or 70 and you sell And then for what? And you have to answer that question. So my what will be different to you for what we do it for? And this is typically the whole purpose question. So the stages I talk about a lot of it, scarcity and survival, and then you get to awareness and then you get to growth. That's the journey of life almost. doesn't matter if you're wealthy or not. That's just a journey of life. And for entrepreneurs, it is that journey of survival for a lot of them first. I mean, for you too, you not being able to get your kid in or out of hospital. That's the question of survival right there. So that's typical for a lot of entrepreneurs. And even if it's not even the case financially, it's what they think. And what's important, it's all in the mind. It's whatever they think anyway. That's it. It's scarcity. It's survival. Getting out of that is that almost first step. So how do you ask me about purpose? How can you ask me about purpose? Well, this is where the whole mentors and and coaching comes in. How much of that is self-sabotage? How much of that is you not knowing how to play the game, but self-sabotage? I was hearing another podcast about, are we growing wounds or are we growing wisdom? Actually, we are the luckiest people because we're getting data points every day. You can call them crisis, adversity, challenge, but they're getting them every day. We should be the smartest people on the planet. (laughs) If you think about it, right? But we end up, more often than not, a lot of us end up being the most damaged. I'm sharing my personal story because that's also why I'm doing this. Part of this is me helping other people learn as much or accelerate or avoid that, that journey, right? But ultimately, if we can ask that question that you said, so talking about kids, I'll just quickly say you wouldn't force somebody who doesn't want to be an accountant or a lawyer or a finance guy or a graphic designer or a product developer into that role if they didn't have the skill sets or the curiosity or the ambition to be, right? No. So that's just a simple thing. I, me as a parent of three, I mean, that's a simple thing. I, I would say anybody, right? So yeah. approach the same thing healthy. But coming to purpose, my friend, that's a question we should be asking earlier because that's also going to drive where you get your advice, who you surround yourself with, that whole part. It's going to drive what you're going to be alert to. And I find the textbook entrepreneurs that we hear about, the textbook entrepreneurs that we hear about. So one thing I have issue with, it's not to blame anybody, but part of Deepak S. Coffee is also to talk about entrepreneurs that are part of the world, (laughs) not just American media. Fine. But when we do see the textbook entrepreneurs, a lot of them have had their purpose clarity early at 10 or eight even. And hence, that's what's what got plus all the other benefits that they've had. Not that they haven't had challenging journeys, but they've had that earlier. So hence, they've been able to amplify their impact. Yeah. If, If you think about that as well, and I often think about my purpose and other people's purpose and where it comes from. And we hear about people talking about my wife or my husband or my, my lover or whatever is my soulmate. There's more people alive than they've ever been dead. So, yeah. you know, there's some extra new souls having to be created. Maybe they're not your soulmate. And you might remember when you were in your 20s, there were a couple of girls that were your soulmate. You met maybe your, your real one. So so we, we tend to romanticize things, our soulmates and our purpose. And our purpose could be as random as how you met your wife or how I met my wife and how I met my soulmate who I've been married to for many odd years. 
the purpose, what I find interesting is purpose, you started off talking about the crucibles. The purpose and crucibles are, are very linked. The purpose and crucibles, right? Is that yeah. what you said? The crucible moments, right? And the purpose. Okay, go on. So if you look at my crucible moments and about the fact that I, and what was around me and that the fact that somebody backed me and believed in me, that is my purpose is to do that for others as a pay it forward. But I often think about it quite academically. Had that not happened, might I have had another purpose? Mm. And, and so the two are very linked. It's a, the psychological has a deep psychological impact on you, and that now is what you want to do. And why I say this, and you touched on it earlier about also this thing called passion. And to me, when I speak to entrepreneurs, I say it's bullshit around passion because we've got businesses, and this is a true story. We're a funeral home business. And then I go to the entrepreneur and say, what are you passionate about? And he goes, dead people. Bullshit. He's not passionate about dead people. Like He's not passionate about funerals. But they retrofit what, because they're told in all the books that they have to be passionate about it. What's more important is commitment. Mm. Is that to me is when you commit to something. And so when you commit to your purpose, when you commit to your vision, when you commit to it, that's far more important because then you will ride through these waves. And I see a, a huge amount of young people. It's difficult. Therefore, the universe is telling me this is the wrong thing for me. And then they start something else and then it becomes difficult. And they do control, alt, delete, control, alt, delete. And they never, ever push through. Yeah. So for me, successful entrepreneurs, what I look for is not so much passion. It's commitment. Are they committed? to their purpose? Are they committed to their vision? Are they committed? That's a bigger indicator for me of a successful entrepreneur in passion. And let's be clear then on this word passion. It's interesting that, yeah, it is probably an open book word, but it needs clarifying because let's come back to this point of crucible moments. The passion comes in in overcoming that. What's it worth you sharing that the story of that entrepreneur, brand new business, tiny business, that excitement that comes through. The passion, thats I guess it's more of an internal kind of flame that's there, that's driving passion, that's, that's driving you to serve that entrepreneur. When we hold it back, that's what needs to show. This isn't about the PR, the press release, or that entrepreneur talking about how great they are. They're so passionate. They come back to you, oh, I've got all these issues. I hate what I do, that kind of thing. That's fake. And that's the journey that people have to understand what's real and where is it coming from what's real. And we can wrap up with this kind of thinking because those crucible moments that are linked to purpose, let's call them two sides of the same coin from your analogy. Those are going to be unique for everybody in the world. As you said, yours is going to be different from mine. Those are going to be unique. If I'm going to be passionate about something the next guy is doing because they're passionate about it, no, that's not what we're talking about here. That's the wrong way to use that word passion. Can I get inspired by somebody who's passionate about what they do and be like, hey, my journey's unique. That funeral home guy's got a unique journey. Could be so many aspects about a business. Maybe he loves operating a business. Doesn't matter what business it is. He just loves yeah. freaking operating the business. And it happens to be funeral homes. He doesn't care what business he's in. And I think about the uniqueness of every entrepreneur, which is school systems trying to pump out. They're all thinking about the school system where everybody has to get a job and work in a corporate that's why this entrepreneur field hasn't even been scratched in the surf. When you're treating everybody unique, your experiences are unique. How do you play that game? That becomes very interesting and in how to convert that into a healthy mindset as you're then now playing the entrepreneur world. Now, I don't want to say right to agree with me, but like 
what's your take on that uniqueness on that journey that happens for each and every individual? So if we follow the two sides of the same coin, that your purpose comes from your crucible moment, yours is different to mine, your purpose is different to mine, and what makes you happy. Maybe another way to define passion is the combination of a place where you're committed to your purpose whilst having fun. Commitment to your purpose while having fun. It's got those three aspects. And so your passion is different because what, what makes you happy, you might have, think playing golf, I think it's like torture. So that's not, we have a different relationship with fun. My purpose is different to your purpose and my level of commitment and what I define as commitment might be different to yours. But in that triangle, that to me is why I get excited about a couple of dollars is because I'm certainly having fun to this guy. And, and my purpose is to serve and support other entrepreneurs. That's what I'm here to do. And that came from my crucible, which was when I needed that I had somebody pick me up and believe in me and support me on, on numerous occasions. Um, so my purpose relates to my, my crucible moments as well. Just quickly on the education side, I'm involved in a school from grade double zero to 12. We've put entrepreneurship into the curriculum, into the maths, into the English, into the science, into the biology. And the boardrooms, the kids have a boardroom training from, from young. They have these things called pitch patches where they have to present like on a stage from young kids, expose them to entrepreneurs. So, to me, I stopped whining about it because government was there. I just bought a school and implemented that. And that's been such an incredible journey to see actually with such a little bit of effort, uh, although my business partner would not <laughs> what happens to kids if they are exposed to the language and the marinade of entrepreneurship. That is powerful. And that makes me think about our household here. I am more alert to showcasing the healthy parts of entrepreneurship and alert to also the traps of entrepreneurship, but talking about them in a healthy way. Alan, I usually end up by asking a question of what would you tell yourself as an entrepreneur 10 years ago, but you already answered that about building a moat faster and going in with the bulldozer when you see the opportunity. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Or is that just the home run statement from you? That's the statement, a bigger bulldozer. A bigger bulldozer. <laughs> Alon, that was awesome. Thank you so much. And we're going to add your contact information in the show notes. Thanks, Thank Alon. That was great. Thank you. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on dm at deepakascoffee.com.